Everybody. Welcome to the news agenda with me, Flute Street Fox. And I've just opened every single open window on my computer, so I can't see you. There you are. Um, th- welcome to the news agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I am joined by the Mirror's editor, Alison Phillips, my boss. Be polite, everybody. Morning, Alison. Morning, Susie. Morning, everybody. Hope you're all well. Yes. Happy Ukrainian Independence Day, everybody. Slava Ukraini. Now, uh, this is the People's Paper Review, so get into the comments, ask us your questions. We'll do our best to answer them for you. Welcome to our new viewers from the Liverpool Echo website, because uh, I think we're being uh, somehow simul- simulcast on you as well this morning. Um, and those of you listening later on podcast, you're just going to have to stand up to Putin's aggression alone, I'm afraid. Now, so what have we got? Well, the mirror has splashed on the horrifying story of Olivia Pratt-Corbel, gunned down in her own home as her mother battled to keep the shooter out of their house. Now, Alison, it's hard not to be speechless about this, um, but one detail from the copy jumped out at me, which is that the accomplice of another man who is being chased and shot at by the shooter and was injured by him drove up, got his mate in a car and got away. And all this while Olivia's mum was injured and her daughter was dying and he just left them there. Someone knows exactly who did this, don't they? Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, I imagine quite a few people know who did this. And um, I think that we can only hope that in the next sort of coming hours, I think some people have already been going to, to police and they've had the same name a couple of times now, but there will be people who know and they're going to have to just, because sometimes sometimes that the, the, uh, only can be the truth can solve something like this. And it is just heartbreaking, this poor little girl. And in the place where she should have felt most safe at home before bedtime for someone to invade your home and do something and then to and then for the companies to come and pick the guy up take him away and leave a little girl dying 
on our hall floor is it's well it, it's just unbearable which is the word we use today in the mirror horrendous because yeah there's there aren't any words really to describe it and our hearts go out to everyone in Liverpool and especially Olivia's family who must be in pieces right about now. Um, now to other matters and also on the front page uh, above the fold as it's known in the trade is the mirror's call on the government to freeze energy prices. Now inside on pages four and five Alison we're saying that millions of households are on a and I can't and I quote countdown to catastrophe. Uh, now there's people who would call that sensationalism they call it hyperbole when the new price caps announced in the next 48 hours, end of this week, um, are things really going to be as bad as all that? Yes. I mean, uh, as much as it pains me to say it, I mean, people are already really struggling with energy bills that they, they, they haven't got the money to pay. People who are working, you know, 40, 50 hours a week um, can't pay their bills now. That Because this is obviously energy bills is in addition to, to transport bills and to food bills and to every other kind of bill. And then, so the price cap that gets announced on Friday um, will indicate what's the maximum amount energy bills can start charging us come October. Um, and that's looking like it's going to be about three and a half thousand pounds. And then the, the, the concern is it could go up to like 4,200 maybe in January. And then some people say it could hit as much as like 6,000 pounds from April. Now, and we're reaching a point now where people just haven't got that money. So in a way, it's almost like it doesn't really matter what they say now because people haven't got it either way. So something, someone, this is what I just absolutely cannot understand. Somebody needs to step in and do something. At the beginning of the pandemic, when all our <clears throat> shops were going to shut and everything was going to shut, loads of people were chucked out of work, Rishi Sunak, the then Chancellor, stood up with the furlough plan. And it did look, I mean, in, in conjunction with the TUC, who <clears throat> very much helped shape that furlough plan, um, they stepped in to do something. This time, we're, we're looking at a not dissimilar disaster and no one's and no one's, uh, and no no one's one's doing anything about it. No. Well, as Derek says there, uh, we need to nationalise the energy companies. The privatisation of the energy firms isn't working. Depends uh, on your point of view there, Derek. If you're a shareholder or if you work for one of these energy companies, then you're probably doing quite well, especially if you're a chief executive or something like that. But, uh, of course... It's also worth bearing in mind that some shareholders are pension funds. So if you've got a private pension, you may also benefit from this in the long run, although you're not necessarily going to have much fun paying your energy and bills. Even like. the energy companies this time are saying they've got to, somebody's got to step in and freeze. <clears throat> somebody's got to, the government's going to have to come in and come up with a plan to freeze prices. I mean, you've got the guy who runs the Octopus Energy yesterday saying he's now going to take the minimum wage. He's calling on them. So today in the mirror, we've got all sorts of people from different energy companies saying, freeze the bills. So it's not just people like the Daily Mirror, and obviously you've got people like Age Concern, Save Children, people who work with people with disabilities, all these organisations who work with people who are on the wrong end of this, are saying someone's got to do something. Yeah. Now, you can't really see it very clearly on the on the screen there, but in the centre of that spread, all the yellow and white writing there, those are quotes from various people. So there's Keir Starmer, Ed Davey, the TUC, uh, Steve Rotherham of the Liverpool City Region, the West York's Mayor, Age UK, the London Mayor, Octopus, Joseph Roundtree Foundation, Charities, Ecotricity, former Vice President of BP even, saying end these pernicious extra charges imposed for those... Is, I think everybody... It, well, every right-minded person accepts something has to be done. and that, yeah. But the problem is, why, why we're kind of sleepwalking into this disaster on Friday is because we're in the middle of a Tory leadership contest 
Well, the only thing they're really interested in is, is sort of taking swipes at each other. And we are sort of sleepwalking to this catastrophe because, no, and we've got a prime minister that seems to have come back from his holiday at the moment, but he's not doing anything. So no one's grabbing hold of the problem and we're just wandering into it. No, I've come back from holidays like that, you know, and still just think, no, I'm just going to sit here. I go off. You know, he's only got another fortnight and he's probably thinking, oh, someone else can deal with this. But as a result, it's ordinary people who are going to pay the price for that. Yeah, because when I sat around on my backside, I didn't have a country to run. Now, keep asking your questions, everybody. Uh, Let us know what you think about the energy price gap and what you think should be done with taxpayers' money, with your money to try and fix it. That's what everyone's talking about, is how to spend your money to resolve this issue with your money. Now, Leslie says, is the winter blackouts, are the winter blackouts just an excuse to hide the fact that people can't afford to pay for electricity? If they turn the power off, Alison, do our bills come down? Well, we'll be using less, so yes. But then also you'd have people freezing to death and not being able to cook any food or boil a kettle. Yeah. So that's the, the downside of that one. Um, I mean, in other countries across Europe, there's all sorts of different, you know, in Germany, I think they're just turning off all the lights in big, big build, you know, like council offices and and places such as that. And we're going to have to look at some different ideas about how we can reduce consumption. But there are ways that these bills can be frozen. I mean, one of the ideas that's been, um, I mean, so Labour came up with, um, well, they say a fully funded plan. To be honest, it was pretty fully funded um, that they said could meet the cost of freezing them. Um, and then other people come up with this plan that we could just, the money t- to freeze the bills could be borrowed from banks, but that would be um, uh, safeguarded that, you know, if, if they went bust or whatever, then then the government would come in. And so, so there are ways, there's always ways around the situation if you want to solve the situation. And at the moment, I just don't see any desire to solve the situation from from the people at the very top who should be doing no, that. It's wanting to do it, I think, is that it's the ideological leap, which I suppose we have a furlough to some extent as well. It did take a bit of a fight to get Richardson to do that. Now, Nicola says, why are they allowed to keep raising the price cap? What's the justification? I'll try my best with this, Nicola. Um, and Alison can correct me if I've got it wrong. But you, there, there is the producers of the energy, and then there's a middleman, which is the suppliers, and then there's us. And you will remember that some of those suppliers middlemen the suppliers have gone bust and they got absorbed by other companies a little while ago and that's because the prices of the wholesale that the producers who are getting out of the sea there in the oil rigs they're charging massively higher prices for it because there is a shortage because of the war in ukraine because there is increased demand after the pandemic so they're just making money hand over fist right the people who actually get the stuff out of the ground lovely lovely times They then pass it on to the energy suppliers. And because of our privatised energy supply industry, where they have lots and lots of small companies, some of them operate on fairly thin margins. And so some of them have gone bust. They They can't meet those prices. So the price cap has to rise in order to make sure those energy suppliers keep being able to sell you and absorb some of the cost of the massive wholesale. That means you're still paying a bit more, well, a lot more in many cases. But um, what's really going on here is that it doesn't just affect households. There's At least prices are limited, even if they're limited to the stratosphere for us. Small businesses are facing energy bills that are intergalactically bad because there's no cap for them. And that's going to mean, Alison, massive problems for the economy, high prices, inflation, businesses going to the wall. 
the Tories care about the economy more than people, really, but because that's how they say they care for people. But why are the Tories the last people to see this coming? Well, I think they can see it coming. And I think a lot of ordinary um, MPs, because they'll be hearing it from their constituencies, will be hearing it coming. But we are, and I think probably a lot of them are equally frustrated that we're in this complete zombie state where the people at the very top, Chris Johnson, because he's way out, and Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak, because they will literally say anything at the moment to get the job. Um, uh, they're, they're just incapable or unwilling to grab hold of it. And, and this is the, and, and we're just, we are sleepwalking into this catastrophe. Now, Liz Truss's plan seems to be tax cuts, but uh, I think she's living in cloud cuckoo land if she thinks a tax cut is going to give anybody six grand cash in their pocket, unless they're a millionaire, and that's the yeah. kind of tax cut you can get. Yeah. It's not, a tax cut's going to be a few quid here and there. Uh, Rishi, I think, is talking about, I can't even remember what he's talking about, but something fairly vague. But there's, and, and there's been a lot of sort of vague um, hints from Liz Trust. oh, don't worry, we're going to do something to help people through the winter. But, you know, it's it's... September next week, is it? So the winter is fast approaching. And I, I just don't know whether there's any understanding of the level of anxiety that people feel, and not just the very poorest people across society. It's just thinking, I haven't got six, an extra six grand a year. I haven't, or five grand or two grand a year. That money just does not exist. So um, mm. it's not there. As somebody said the other day, they might as well be charging people in unicorns because it doesn't matter now because they haven't got the money. So what's going to happen? We have loads and loads of people defaulting on their bills because they can't afford them. You're going to have loads of people driven to, you know, taking really drastic actions. And there is a real sense of terror at what is facing us. And no one is doing anything about it. It's massively self-indulgent to have a leadership election to talk about schools or, you know, on the never-never. We're going to improve energy production like in 20 years' time if you're not dealing with this right now. I mean, this... I think a government has only one responsibility, and that is to look after its people. That's the role. Everything else is beyond that. It's about looking after people, and that's whether you mean defending them from, like, you know, people that want to have war with us, or it's defending against internal problems such as this when their lives and their families are at real risk. Now, either physically because they're not allowed to feed their kids or mentally because they're awake every night so they can't work out how to pay the bills. That is the key role of any government. And if you can't fulfil that, you're not doing your job. No. And just the anxiety, just the fear and the worry is going to is gonna damage people's health. It could even Without cause suicide. Just the expectation of a bill. There are people getting direct debit demands going, we're raising your direct debit to by 143% this week and there's nothing you can do mm. about it. And actually, you can. Most people don't realise. You ring up your energy company, you say, no, that's not the direct debit I'm going to, I'm going to agree. And you get it down to what you think uh, you, can, you can pay and what you, you're able to try and, you know, meet some of the debts. Or I mean, that is true. But, you know, um, someone in my family... The prices family are still up, higher and the, the rates are still higher. And somebody I rang up and rang there, you know, who I know rang up and they said... Um, Look, we're really sorry, and don't. And they were they were lovely, and they said, "Please don't worry, don't worry, it's all going to be okay." But the bill's still there; it's not. Yeah. You know. But there yeah. are amazing people like the um, uh, Citizens Advice Bureau, and and I think the key point is if anybody is worried. So I've got terrible sunshine shining in my face. If anybody is worried, 
talk to someone. It doesn't really necessarily matter who, talk to somebody. Don't, don't bottle it up and think you've got to do it on your own. No, exactly. Anything, if you're in debt or if you're worried about getting in debt, there's always someone who can help you find a way through it. And if you if you sit there yeah. and you get, it'll only get worse. Now, Simon says, what is the point of Ofgem? They were supposed to protect us, but it seems that Ofgem are being sent too many brown envelopes. Oh, considering the profits the energy companies are making. Like we said, Simon, some of it is because they're trying to keep, they've got to reflect the increase in wholesale prices for the, for the suppliers. They have to do that. But it's because of the, there is no regulator, is there, Alison, for those wholesale producers, the people getting the gas out of the ground or refining the oil. They don't have a regulator. That's pri that's capitalism at work. There's a demand for it. In a really, really different position. And I think uh, there was a woman who was very senior in Ofgem who resigned last week or the week before because she felt yeah. that not enough was being done by the government to uh, protect people. So that's how, you know, there is that concern. I think they are in a really sticky position because... Because if these, if the bills don't go, if, if the if the people who we're paying our bills to don't get that money in, they're going to go bust. We had a load of them went bust last year. More will go bust this year, and then all of a sudden we'll have no energy at all. So we do need those people to stay in operation, but we need somebody else to come in to kind of help meet their costs. But I completely yeah. agree. We're making vast profits at the moment. So what we're talking about fundamentally there, then, if you're freezing energy bills, is a bung to the producers, to the, not producers, the wholesale energy companies from the taxpayer. So, well, or, or just finding a way through it. I mean, certainly, like you say, there are still people making vast amounts of money, getting the actual energy, you know, the, the, out of the ground. Um, and so that was part of how Labour's plan to fund this was going to be by this windfall tax on all the extra profits that are being made by some people. Because some people are doing very well out of this, make no mistake. Yeah. Now, Leslie says, are we heading into a deep financial depression? If nothing is done pretty rapidly, Leslie, yes, um, you can make it more of a shallow dip, if you like, if you do do something to help people through this. And that is the point of a government, as Alison yeah, said. I, I think, um, you know, without wishing to depress people further, but so we've got a story that we're working on for tomorrow, which is the amount of small businesses like pubs, cafes, hairdressers, you know, little businesses who say they are going to the wall because of their energy bills. Um, and and so then, so at the moment, I think the only thing that's kind of protecting us is there's quite a lot of jobs around. But if we start getting to the situation where unemployment starts to go up and we've got inflation and we've got the energy bills and interest rates are going to have to go up to try and get inflation down, then it's looking a bit, well, it's looking very worrying. It's looking extremely sticky, yes. Mm. Now, Stephen Bowden, beyond Project 60, perhaps not his real name, says, uh, could the Mirror reporters run the economy better than the elected government? Yes. Let's population scared. That's the Mirror's agenda. We're worried no, now. It's not, it's, not about being, it's not about being scared. I don't want anybody to be scared, Stephen. But what I do think, and in fact, the, the Mirror's got a real sort of plan and a, a sort of a, a goal is to sort of take really complicated stories like this and explain them because we kind of feel when people understand them they feel slightly less bewildered by them so so if you look in the paper today we've got a question and answer session explaining why we've got into this situation why the energy bills are so high why the cap's going up what could be done because people have got to have people aren't you know people aren't they're not children they deserve to know the truth because once you've got the truth once you understand the full picture then you then you can in your mind i think kind of work through what's the best way of dealing with it? So I think there are some people who are going to have got 
plenty of money. And this is a bit unfortunate, the bill's going up, but they'll survive. And there are other people for whom this is a real catastrophe. And I think we feel very strongly at the mirror that we should look out for the people for whom it is a catastrophe. Yeah, there you go, Stephen. That's told you, isn't it? Uh, but <laughs> in terms of journalists running the country, we've got one of those. It hasn't gone very well. It didn't work well. No. Please, please don't do it again, even if it's us. Um, now, we need to move on to something else. Uh, so... Um, Keep asking us your questions, get into the comments, let us know what you think, what your energy bills like, how do you think we should be resolving this? Do you want the Mirror Labour Lib Dem plan to give a bung to the suppliers? Is that and freeze energy prices? Is that the best way or is there something else that could be done? Now, to some better and at the same time worse news, on pages 10 and 11 is a picture of Max Johnson, who many of you may remember uh, was in the Mirror a lot as a chubby-cheeked little boy. Uh, often pictured while he was waiting for a heart transplant. Now, the good news is that he got it. He helped us change the law on organ donation. Um, so you now have to opt out, which will help thousands of other children like Max. And he's now, as you can see there, a strapping 14-year-old Hulk, exercising regularly to keep his uh, donor uh, heart from curable healthy, which is fantastic. Uh, but he's also immune compromised for the rest of his life. And he's back in the paper because he's going to not going to get the COVID jabs that he needs to really keep him safe this winter. So Alison, what's going on? Uh, the government won't license a special medicine for him? Yes. So there's, there's lots of people like Max who are uh, immunosuppressed, who during the pandemic um, shielded throughout. Um, and many of them are still shielding now. And whilst for for us fortunate people, life pretty much gone back to normal. Um, for many others, it hasn't. Or if they are trying to go out, um, there's a there's a constant anxiety that um, if they could catch it, um, the consequences will be really, really serious. And of the people who are currently in intensive care, the vast majority of those are immunosuppressed now. So those are people who, you know, for, for, for no fault of their own, are much more likely to get a really serious um, result of having COVID. And so there is a drug which is available uh, in the States and in other parts of Europe, which gives these people, it's called Evisheb, uh, which gives these people much greater um, protection and loads and loads of organisations that work with um, people who are immunosuppressed um, are calling for it to be made available in this country. Um, and so that's, you know, what we think should happen um, because for, for, for these people, otherwise COVID is never going to end. No, it's going to go on forever and ever and ever and ever. And they do get, those same people would get free flu jabs every year. Yeah, and also, you know, the amount of cost of having somebody, if you want to look at it on purely economic terms, the amount of cost it costs to keep somebody in intensive care or, or somebody who's been treated over many, many years for their illness um, at the cost to the NHS, we want to keep these people alive and healthy. And if we can do that for a relatively small amount compared with what the rest of their treatment has cost, that, that feels to me like good economic sense as well as the moral case of looking after people like Max. Exactly. But that's, a, that's an economic case that uh, it would appear the government doesn't see quite. So 600 quid for Max to have two injections of a special new drug, which other people have as against thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds to treat him in intensive care if his donor heart gets ravaged, as organs can do, by COVID. Yeah, that's apparently not a price worth paying. I mean, again, I just don't know necessarily. It's always that they just don't want to do it. I just feel at the moment there's this kind of no one can quite make a decision because everything's in a state of flux. I mean, hopefully, you know, you never know, we might get a new government and 
there might be a, a building up of um, support for this campaign and who knows, we can only hope. We can only hope, exactly. But although I'm, if we do get a new government, I'm not sure it's going to last very long, are you? I think we might get a general election only next year. Maybe. That's the last thing everybody probably wants. Well, I don't know. I can't, I can't see a government not collapsing. Yeah, with the way things are going but anyway well um we'll we'll find out won't we in the fullness of time if we if we make it through the winter um right okay thanks everybody uh keep asking us your questions uh how do you feel about max's injections do you think he should be getting those on the nhs do you think he should be having to pay for it privately or something let us know but first off there is some good news in the world we really had to struggle today to find it trust me Alison managed to find one thing in the paper yesterday uh and here it is Now, as I said, Max is exercising wildly to keep his uh, his donor heart healthy, which is very good for him. But this might turn out to be useful news for him if he finds that his exercise regime is starting to interfere with exams. For example, a study has found that we need to exercise for just 10 minutes a day to lower our chance of death by 40 percent. And even better news, it's only a gentle stroll. No lifting weights, none of that stupid TikTok doing the splits up against the wall thing everybody's tried and fallen over with. Um, now, this does only apply to the over 85s. <laughs> but even for younger adults, it's only 20 minutes a day. So, Alison, is this proof of what I've always said, that too much exercise is bad for your health? I'm completely with you there, Susie. So <laughs> totally with you. But actually, I think we all know, like, a little walk does make you feel so much better physically and mentally, doesn't it? Because it just is an opportunity to clear your mind Get out, bit of a fresh air in your lungs. So for people who are able to do it, and you know, not everybody can, but for those that can do it, yes, let's all take our 10 minutes or 20 minutes if we're under 85 and just to sort of feel a little bit better. Just have a gentle stroll. And remember, it's free. So it's free, exactly. You don't have to wear all that stupid lycra and you know, all that. Just a little yeah. walk around the block. You're not gonna pop a tendon, your toenails aren't gonna fall off. Everyone I know does extreme exercises ill in some way. Now, James says the mirror's agenda is set by the owners of the paper. Yes or no? no. I suppose yes, Alison, in some way, because who owns the newspaper? Shelby. Well, see, that's that's it. You see, that's why we are quite different to, um, well, pretty much every other country in the, every other paper in the country. So, you know, we're owned by, um, we have shareholders. We don't have a, a very rich owner. So um, I'm pretty much left to do what I want. So so unfortunately, it's all my fault if you don't like it. But um, you know, whilst the Sun is owned by Murdoch, and then you've got the Mail is owned as an owner, the Guardian has got a, a sort of charitable trust, Telegraph's got owners. We, uh, so that obviously has its downsides, um, uh, having shareholders, because we have to turn a very good profit every year. We're not just there as a vanity project for very rich people. Um, but it does mean we have that level of independence. Yes. So no one tells us what to do, Richard, which is the point. Uh, now, Leslie says, thank you for highlighting what we immunosuppressed people are currently facing uh, and probably heading into your third year of facing it, Leslie, as well. With yeah, all this so going. We'll do whatever we can to help, Leslie. But, um, you know, let's just get this out there so more and more people know about it. Exactly. Thank you, Alison, for explaining all that. We have to let you go. Anybody else who still wants something free on page 12 of the Mirror today, there's another voucher for a free Morrison's uh, cup of tea and a slice of cake. 
which doesn't hurt, does it? So that's two meals you've had off then this week, if you can call a cup of tea and a slice of cake a meal, and I do. And if it's a fruit one, it's one of your five a day. So go and hit it. Um, thanks, everybody, for taking part. Uh, those of you listening on podcast, please leave us a review or subscribe. And we will see you all again next Monday for another edition of the Cheery Cheery Happy News Agenda. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>